What episode is it, Adam? Uh, this is fourteen. Fourteen, I believe. Let me let me let me uh, check you. Yep, that's unbelievable. 14. All right, it's gonna be a disaster, just like all of them are. It's gonna suck, just like every hey. single episode. Let's get into then at this. Least you know you're consistent. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode 14 of Ghost Party Radio, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of genre film hosted by two small-time cowards. I am the first element, Trevor, and allow me to introduce my co-host, the (laughs) second element. It's Adam Cervantes Wagner. Hello, Adam. I am the second element because I'm on fire. (laughs) What? Jesus. (laughs) Awful. Awful. Speaking of awful, Adam, uh, do you want me to read some reviews? We finally dropped the podcast. The podcast is out there in the world for people to actually listen to. Right. We did do that last week also, but uh, let's hear them. But the reviews, they're flowing in, all of them, and they're in their hate. Right. Um, here's a review. <laughs> here's a review from Nintendo Man 32 uh, <laughs> Sounds like a genius. <laughs> really good already. Uh, the topic is... Ew, and the review is <laughs> these guys make me want to puke. Five stars. Thank you, whoever you are, Nintendo man. <laughs> yeah, that was a very nice review. Nicer than some of the other ones we've gotten. Yeah. Uh, we have a few backlogged here that I'm really, really excited to uh, read on the show eventually. But Adam, uh, we are going to talk a little bit at the top of this episode. We don't usually do this, but uh, it's been a while since we've recorded. Yeah, I've I've missed you. Yeah, we got to watch the Golden Globes, which we won't be talking about because there's no reason to do that. But um, no. I had yeah, I had lunch with my family, uh, well, my mom and dad, I should say, this weekend. And I realized because I hadn't talked to anybody, uh, specifically anybody on the podcast for a while, I was just nonstop talking to them. And they just couldn't give any less of a shit about the stuff I was talking about. <laughs> what were you talking about? Uh, the fifth element, mostly. <laughs> well, perfect, Trevor, because you're in luck today. Yes. So joining us on the podcast. So basically anybody who listens to the show knows all I do is invite people on the show who have podcasts that I listen to and like. So this is definitely one of those. Please join me in welcoming the resident criminologists of the Time Warp Radio podcast, Katie and Haley. Hello, you two. Hi. Hi. Wow. Thanks so much for having us. Uh, we are the third and fourth elements, and uh, mm-hmm. combined all together, we are the fifth element, and that element is uh, love. So Wow, yeah. Spo- spoiling the movie right up top. <laughs> yeah, I didn't agree to that. I mean, the movie kind of spoils the movie right up the top. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I, I absolutely love... Yeah, of course I messed up your uh, intro. You were supposed to be the third and fourth elements, but I was trying to remember the word <laughs> no. resident criminologists. <laughs> you did well. That was great. That was perfect. I wanted to do the really bad jokes, so thank you for forgetting. If you're into bad jokes, you've come to the right place. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Time Warp Radio. We are a movie-by-minute podcast, deep-dive disseminating the Rocky Horror Picture Show in seven-minute chunks and trying to analyze meaning from the film uh, because... Both one of the characters, as well as most of the fan base, uh, like to believe that it's meaningless. Which, to that I say, it ain't. No, sir. (laughs) I won't take it. 
I will take that as an answer. We also do some, uh, you know, my wild, wild, wild speculation uh, about the movie because uh, there's a lot to speculate about. Oh yeah. So why in seven minute chunks? Well, with each seven minutes, we can make you a fan. Okay. <laughs> Which we're totally ripping off the Charles Atlas song, I Can Make You a Man in Just Seven Days. Um, it also lent to bringing up the movie in, like, thematic segments, yeah. almost. And we were able to review the whole song as opposed to have like breaking it in half and, and or into tiny sections. Yeah. Um, we actually picked seven minutes before we broke down the movie and it just happened to work out almost perfectly. Yes. Mm. Um, I love the podcast. I've been lucky enough to be on the show and Trevor. you have convinced me uh, that Rocky Horror Picture Show is the greatest film of all time. You actually convinced oh. me of that while I was on the show. Yes. Um, Boom. But I, I have to say, Time Warp Radio sounds a little bit suspiciously close to our title of our podcast. Ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> I mean, we we did launch back in last summer, yeah. so uh, check the receipts, I guess. But that's, that's not our fault. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't matter <laughs> no, at all. We definitely have tapped into a similar uh, collective unconscious. No, to- totally. I think the podcasts are kind of like a new wave of radio. People listen to them in their cars like they put on a radio station. Yeah. It's just now exactly what the talk radio you want to hear on the topics and interests that, like, oh my gosh, could you imagine 20 years ago if there was a Rocky Horror radio show and, like, <laughs> people would lose their minds. They would be like, what? This is... I would listen to that all the time. Ooh, what if it was like Love Line, but like Rocky Horror? <gasps> there you go. Yeah, I miss Trevor. Love take Line. that idea quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we uh, we actually have a side podcast that is exactly that weird. That's so weird. Right. Yeah. Um, well, so our podcast, uh, I would agree with you, are extremely similar, except yours is good and has listeners. Um, but you listen to this show, <laughs> and um, you know that I'm going to ask you this question. But between the two of you, and we don't need an aggregate answer for everything. I know you're uh, recording at the same time. When we get to our uh, our quote unquote rating of the movie. Uh, eventually, I will need an aggregate score from you. Otherwise, the movie will like go up thirty three percent in score and will be a total cheat. But I'm gonna ask no, you this together. I think that's together. fine. I think it should. Uh, yeah, I think we it should get extra points. Yeah, we get bonus points. Yeah, <laughs> because there's more of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask. Uh, generally speaking, we break down genre cinema on this podcast. What would you say is your favorite genre of cinema, and what makes that genre good in your mind? Let's see. Hold on now. Hold on. I did send you this question beforehand. <laughs> I know, and I was thinking about it, but it's hard. It's that it's like, how do you pick a favorite genre? Because it's Come like, on, Trevor. It's like, I want to say horror, but that's like... It's so broad. Yeah. And I want to say like culty movies, but that's also really broad. And I want to say like arty movies, but that's super broad. Like weird intellectual movies. Cult cinema is definitely the mm-hmm. most uh, genre of that genre. So let's go with cult cinema. Do you have any favorite cult cinema movies other than the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Damn. <sighs> well, that was my easy answer. <laughs> um, you like John Waters movies. I do love John yeah. Waters movies, but I think I'm going to go with Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Ooh. That's a great answer. 
So, so why, it, why do these movies stick with you? It's a spiritual experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. specifically with, um, I think specifically with like Rocky Horror and Hedwig, but cult movies in general, they kind of speak to the people who don't feel like they fit in with normal society and they don't necessarily abide by like the societal norms. Speaks um, to the weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like, Phantom of the Paradise, John Waters films in general, like, uh, just any cult Too film. Long Fu oh, is so, so good. good. Um, and a lot of them are really gay, and that's, you know, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Gay is my favorite genre of film, I think, well, actually. <laughs> it's funny yeah. you bring that up, because I saw y'all were on the uh, Two Old Queens podcast recently, talking about Rocky yes. Horror. Yes. Heck yeah! Uh, they were so much fun. Oh my gosh. They're the best, but I think I was watching this movie, and for some reason I watch a lot of movies through the lens of Two Old Queens, and I was thinking, mm-hmm. hey, the fifth, uh, I don't know if they've done the fifth element, but the fifth element might do actually okay on that podcast. Okay, I was Ghost thinking Party the radio same thing. on Two Old Queens we doing should fifth do element. All of, we should collaborate, all of us together. That's a, lot I of, uh, that's a lot of energy. Well, you know what? The, the, whole, the whole movie is about collaborating energy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we got uh, the two old queens, the Time Warp Radio, super energy, and then we can bring Adam and I on as downers. <laughs> You'll be our dose of realism. Uh, so what's your history with space opera on film? Uh, do you have any favorites of space opera? When you asked us if we would like to be on your show, and you said, we're thinking of doing space operas, I'm pretty sure I screamed at my computer uh, before I even typed it that we, I wanted to do Fifth Element. It is, like, one of my all-time favorite movies, not even just space opera movies, but, like, movies in general. It is so freaking good. I mean, I wanted to consider Rocky Horror a space opera (laughs) because it takes place on a spaceship, the whole thing. Most, well, if you can consider the castle a spaceship. Yes. Um, And it concerns so many sci-fi elements and tropes, but... I don't know, after, so I hadn't seen The Fifth Element before Katie suggested it. Whoa! And I know. Yeah! So I watched it for the first time for this conversation. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. (laughs) For real, for giving me, like, the impetus to watch it, because it so defines the category of space opera that, like, I'm having trouble right now thinking of other just space operas in general. Like, I know Star Wars. You went over all of them. I can't believe, <laughs> like, okay, when you said Interstellar was number one, I was like, okay, obvious. And then all of the Avengers movies were in the top letterbox mm-hmm. for, like, space opera movies. Well, I recently watched Dune, the uh, David oh. Lynch version. And that is, that's a that's a good runner-up for me, is, is the David Lynch Dune. Well, Haley said like, that, um, that that the Fifth Element was the definitive space opera. Just just want to stop you there and say we'll get to the bottom of that at the end of this episode. Well, yes, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I think that's the whole point. <laughs> uh, Adam, eventually the wheel will end up being on cult cinema, and I want to do Rocky Horror Picture Show. Do you have any ideas of some guests we might have on for that episode? Trevor, <coughs> my mind is drawing a blank. 
<laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I do. I do like Haley that your mind went to Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's like, yeah, like, yeah. Of course, you guys would come on and crush Rocky Horror Picture Show. But I am really excited you picked the Fifth Element. Uh, let's get into it. Let's just start talking about this movie. So uh, first things first, we got to read some Letterbox reviews. So here we go. I like to start with my friends on Letterbox. I don't just read random reviews. Uh, we have Lucy here on Letterbox gave it three and a half stars, says, Okay, I went with my friend to see it at the theater, and when I got back from the bathroom before it started, my friend loudly told me, You're the only one here who hasn't seen this. When I was gone, she talked to everyone in the theater and exposed me. Bye. <laughs> so she downrated it because of her poor cinematic experience? Well, here's the thing with Letterbox is that this is the future of film criticism. Not a single word about the actual movie went into this. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's get this sorry. out of the way. Haley, Haley, what what do you sound like, Katie? What do you sound like? Hi, this is me. I'm Haley. Hi, this is me. I am Katie. We end up sounding sim- similarly. Yeah. Uh, can't help it. We 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 spend too much time together. We both it's... have a lot of California vocal fry. Sorry about it. <laughs> Uh, we get a lot of that feedback for our, our voices, too, except for uh, people say that my voice sounds smarter. <laughs> yeah, and they say mine is sexier, so it's it's kind of an even thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But at least the show is balanced. Have the sexy yeah, one. Yeah, you've got the, the smart one and the sexy yeah. one. It's fine. Perfect. Right. Beauty and I guess, brains. I guess I'll take that. Um, okay, so here's our second review from friend of the show and past guest Kevin Cookman. Always with an interesting take on the movies. Three stars says, feels at once like ambitious studio sci-fi and its own PlayStation 1 tie-in game. Oof. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. I mean, that is like the harshest way you could look at it. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, I could leave that review and give the movie five stars, though. That's, that's again, not really <laughs> not really getting yeah. to the core of why. But that's a much better quote-unquote review, I suppose. Third yeah. review here, we're going back to uh, the lady perspective from Becca Lease, uh, another friend of the show and hopeful future guest. Three and a half stars again. Nothing, nobody has gone over three and a half stars. Uh, Becca Lease says, You wouldn't believe the obnoxious pestering I was getting for having not seen this movie. I resolved it to watch it alone someday, and I guess today was that day. It was not too bad. I can't say I loved it, but also I liked it more than I thought I would. Gary Oldman was great, but I kept wanting more from him. I think I would have gotten more out of this if I had seen it the first day it came out or shortly afterwards. They will watch that movie. Well, hold on. Too long. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I I'll cut, I'll, I'll cut it out there. She would have gotten more from it if she'd seen the first element. All right, well, let's just get into it. Uh, there's no real format at this point of the show for it. We just kind of start talking about what we liked about the movie, and Adam talks about what he didn't like about the movie. And uh, <laughs> I will say this. Uh, my favorite part of The Fifth Element, Adam, is uh, I watched the Austin Powers movies this week, buddy. <laughs> Congratulations, Trevor. It's yeah, about yeah, yeah. I don't mean to derail it right up top, but I watched all three Austin Powers movies the other day. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> That's also probably my favorite part of The Fifth Element. <laughs> so fucking dumb. I will say this. The Fifth Element came out the same year as the first Austin Powers. No. Okay. I did watch them. The Austin Powers movies. The first one holds up really well. The second two, the second two don't. Anyways. This <laughs> Gold Member is not too bad. The Gold Member is really, really bad, and I thought it was my favorite one. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> but it, it's it's really, really bad and does not have any story structure or anything. Yeah, really. exactly. But it has Beyonce. Right. That's true. That's true. Okay. So The Fifth Element. Uh, when it starts and you get the main cast... Uh, 
bangers, top to bottom. My God, literally yes. Bruce Willis, <laughs> Mila Jovovich, <laughs> friggin' Bilbo, the original Bilbo, not Martin Freeman. Bilbo Ian Holm. Ian the, Holm from Alien yeah. is just ugh. The, his performance in Alien, and then I was like, ah, oh, that's what I recognize him from. <laughs> you recognize him from that over Lord of the Rings. Haley doesn't like fantasy films. Oh, yeah. Katie's so nice for for answering that before I have I got to say I haven't seen them. That's okay. I didn't like this film. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Willis, Milo Jovovich, Ian Holm, uh, Luke Perry gets the end at the mm-hmm. end, and then of course yeah. Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. I was like, God damn, this this cast is just top to bottom incredible. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got some amazing, amazing performances here. I think we'll just start here in terms of just the characters. Who's everybody's favorite character in the movie The Fifth Element? Ugh. All of them. I can't pick. Don't make me. <laughs> <laughs> really, they're all likable. Bruce Willis is charming. He's not um, abrasive. You don't you're, you don't feel threatened by him. You know that he's like, I mean, a reluctant hero at, <laughs> at its core. But yeah, and Mila Jovovich, you believe every every moment that she gives. You believe that she's a perfect specimen that has no sense of evil. I mean, because she is. She's just perfect. Ugh, it's perfect. I already gushed about Ian Holm. <laughs> um, but no, I didn't. Not enough. Him as the priest is like, he's funny, but he also... Um, I thought I was going to hate the priests in the movie because i don't know i mean in the opening scene you think that they're gonna be like obnoxious and no he i thought he was gonna poison the professor Mm -hmm. which he he was going to (laughs) but it turns out it's to protect the humanity okay yeah he's like and that's yes yes before you start shitting on the movie, Adam, uh-huh. who was your favorite character? And you have to give an answer. Well, it's interesting because I also feel uh, equally about all of them, just in a very different way. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, why don't we give it to that uh, guy who tries to rob Bruce Willis in the first like act? <gasps> I love What him. a choice. Yeah, that really jittery With the dude. Hat. His yeah. hat. <laughs> give me the cash. Been here long? Yeah, long enough. Come on, give me the cash. Is that a Z140? Alleviated titanium. No charge assault model. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Good thing for me it's not loaded. <laughs> what do you mean it's not loaded? Well, you have to, you have to push that little yellow button to load it. <laughs> Take your time. Oh, God. <laughs> you want me to? Okay. That was... dancing. That was genuinely the funniest part of the movie. I, that that whatever he was doing as an actor, or if Luke Besson was giving him that direction, it was wild. <laughs> yeah, why didn't he get nominated? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he could have beat like Judy Dench out for winning an Oscar for the least amount of screen time. Uh, okay, so um, yeah, so I, I, I my favorite character. Thanks for asking everybody. Uh, is, Trevor, it's, who's it, your favorite character? It starts and ends. It has to. I believe in Mila Jovovich supremacy a hundred percent. And the, the, mm-hmm. this movie, this is the first time I watched it in probably. I mean, damn. If I say five years, that means I was still twenty five. Last time I watched it I was a fucking grown man. But I should have seen this the first time and been like, she 
uh she's really really good in this like her performance is very good adam you can't you can't deny that she's actually quite good in the film and mm -hmm. when i think back on the movie i was like oh no is she just going to be kind of set dressing and yes of course they objectify the hell out of her throughout the movie and basically luke basson has you can tell throughout this movie has very little use for any female characters in any way really <laughs> they're just kind of there to look good but i think her performance is fantastic she does what the best she can and uh, we'll get to the whole Luke Basson of it all later, but mm. I think she's so, so, so good. But I want to say that when I think of The Fifth Element, the one thing I always think about like not liking about it is Chris Tucker's character. And this time <gasps> watching it, I was like, this is for sure the best part of this movie. I yes. don't know what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Do you have Lady anything Ron you want? incredible. Wither, ladies, wither. He's going to set the world on fire. Right here from 5 to 7, you know everything there is to know about that demon. His dreams, his desires, his most intimates of intimates. And you know what I'm looking at? Intimate is his stud muffin's middle name. So tell me, my man. You nervous in the service? Not really. Do you have any uh, do you have any objections to that? You you homophobe, Adam? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I agree. I also uh, was in my mind thinking that that part was going to be difficult to chew through, but I also loved it. And I hope we can get some actual LGBT representation in space sometime. Please That's and thank fair. you. Because it's like, it's not just, I mean, yes, his performance is great, but it's all the production that's happening around Ruby Rod's character. Like, I love that he has a posse. I love the the dual mic that he, and I like that he's seducing the women as he's walking through the, the Lily plane. Yeah. Like all of that makes for a great, well, it's not even just the plane. It's like literally anywhere he goes and there's women there. He's like constantly. Seducing well, because them. he's a radio personality. <laughs> That's like part of the job too. Well, is... and originally they wanted a uh, prince. Like <gasps> the character was not only based on prince, but they wanted prince to actually be the character oh boy wow yeah well see okay so chris tucker i think is a problematic human being mm -hmm. uh separately from that <laughs> i think that the uh performance is so like rush hour too that like it kind of works but i agree they could have they could have cast a a drag queen, but that wasn't the time. They weren't doing. So you've seen Rush Hour two, but you haven't seen The Hobbit. No, I haven't seen Rush Hour two. The watching uh, his performance in this made me feel like I'd seen Rush Hour though. <laughs> wow, very bold claim. Um, I, you know, his part actually has one of my favorite like uh, back and forth edits, maybe of all time, of him uh, talking to that woman, and they're also fueling up the plane at the same time. <gasps> Uh -huh. You know uh -huh. what I'm talking about? I mean, that was just... That did, that didn't belong in this movie. I don't know where that belonged. That was ridiculous. Adam, do you think that they were talking in that scene? <laughs> yeah. You, they were having an adult dialogue, yeah. okay? He was talking to her legs, right? Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, I, 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 this is where I'm going to butt in. I think that Prince is... Um, I mean, now that I think about it, I go, oh, yeah. Like That yeah. scene actually makes more sense with Prince, I think. But... Um, I said this the other day because we played Moulin Rouge at the drive-in. I said Baz Luhrmann is the king of the PG-13 H-word movie. And I have to say in front of y'all tonight, I was wrong. Yeah, you're very wrong. Yeah, Orson Welles, lady. 
No, it, Luke Besson, this movie was like top to bottom. Like even like, it, it's because we're not even talking about Bruce Willis. Like who's literally the person who's going to p- have their name on the poster for this movie and going to sell the movie. When he puts on like that orange tank top thing, I'm just like, this uh, movie's fucking awesome. Mm, yeah. Uh, but what what do we think about Bruce Willis in this with the blonde hair? I mean, he's like Sexy. almost, he's almost blonde, but yeah, he looked, he looked a good. Sexy. Like he didn't. He he just looked, I don't know, like an ever I like more of an everyman than in Die Hard. Like he looks like he's a bodybuilder, not a bodybuilder either, but like muscular. Like this, he looks like a retired military man. He looks like he is just trying to get by. He, he's so likable. I yes. don't know, so sexy, and the hair is great. I agree that mm-hmm. the the bleached do gives like a dose of future. Uh aesthetic and yeah just everyone was beautiful i was just watching the whole thing being like they cast models in every single one of these roles literally (laughs) i recognize like that model that model that like literally because before we came on to record uh, i was just telling Haley that uh i was watching an interview with jean-paul gautier uh because he did all of the costuming for this film like all 900 costumes for this film were designed by him and he was talking about the orange tank top that Bruce Willis wears, and it's rubber. I don't know if y'all knew that, but it's made out of rubber. <laughs> I love that you read a trivia on this movie, uh, and I uh, didn't read it. I literally have all of these knowledge facts stored in my brain in my little filing system because, because I told you, love you this movie. is like my favorite movie. Okay, cool. I, I we and we will really get into the movie soon, and I I know I started off with this, but. And, and, and I swear it's not because we have you two on. I don't want to seem like we only talk about movies of how hot every character is. But when you talk about the fifth element, it must be it, discussed. Every character yeah. is we hot Ian in the fifth element. <laughs> yes, Adam, we got Ian Holm. <laughs> uh, an extremely handsome man in his own right. right. Uh, okay, so let's let's dig into this. Adam, tell us uh, what you didn't like about the movie because uh, I th- I'm pretty sure you knew this coming in, but we were gonna we're gonna gang up on you on this one. Yeah, I'm ready for that. I'm here to dedicate myself to proving uh, how awful this movie is. The let's talk about the scene where the priest goes to visit Zorg, Jean Baptiste, uh, whatever Zorg. Okay. Okay. Now take this empty glass. Here it is, peaceful, serene. Boring, but if it is destroyed, look at all these little things. So busy now. Notice how this one is useful. What a lovely ballet ensues, so full of form and color. Now, think about all those people that created them. Technicians, engineers, hundreds of people who will be able to feed their children tonight so those children can grow up big and strong and have little teeny wing children of their own and so on and so forth. Thus adding to the great chain of life. What the heck is the point of that scene? Did he just invite him so they could have like some philosophical chat? <laughs> I think he wanted, he didn't know where the stones were. He didn't know how to find the missing stones right Mm -hmm. and it showed the priest's conviction to his duty to his mission to his faith to his belief in like no i'm not gonna i wouldn't tell you i don't know where they are and if i did i wouldn't tell you and then there's also 
we have to see how alone Zorg is. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like mm-hmm. he, how like isolated he is. Isolated he is, and then the priest makes the comment too that he doesn't have any children. So it's like Zorg, similarly to uh, Dallas. Bruce, da- thank you, Corbin Dallas, um, is similarly single and is looking to fill some emotional needs somehow with weaponry uh-huh. <laughs> and. And technology and dodging calls from his mother. And well, no, uh, no, Zorg has the creepy that like animal that's an evolved like comfort pet right. that will oh, hug it looks you back, like the little and um, lick your ear for you. The little monkey things from mm. Star Wars. Uh, yeah, and it was laughing at him dying slowly. Yeah, like even he won't help pat him on the back and like the. The priest isn't evil either. He won't let him die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think it's an important scene that he is like... And I like that then Zorg isn't totally evil either. He's like, okay, I have standards. You saved my life. I'm not going to just like torture you to find out where the stones are. Mm-hmm. Because also there wouldn't be a movie. Okay. He did that either. Right. All right. You turn me around on that one. Well, how about this one then? <laughs> Why... <laughs> Why, why does the uh, army or whatever decide that, hey, let's make Corbin as famous as possible before we send him on this secret mission? <laughs> okay, let me think about that one. That's a good question. Right, anyway. right. And, but also, why, why did the army, you know, why not just keep get Bruce Willis the tickets anyway and don't make him so famous, you know? I mean, that caused so many effing problems for this guy. That was the whole thing in the movie. <laughs> Was him being recognizable. Yeah. Because they want to talk shit on the uh, government. Right. And then, yeah, I don't know how the ugly aliens uh, factored into it at all. Because they they play a very important part on that Mm -hmm. cruise ship. But I don't think they had the information, any of that information. Right? They don't have any information that, like, the the stones are going to be on there or that... uh... Well, they work for Zorg. I thought they were... No, because the implication I got... is that they were, yeah, getting, they were getting vengeance against Zorg for tricking them and blowing up a bunch of them. When he was doing the deal, yeah. the, the arms de- deal. Yeah. Well, they could have had another little spy moment of them obtaining the information that Zorg obtained. So they could be, you know, sneaking information out of his big house mm-hmm. to yeah. double cross him and grab the stones before he could. You mean like outside Adam, of all, the movie? All, all, all... Adam, all of this is clarified in the two and a half hour European cut. Um, but no, I, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm joking, obviously, but there's definitely some scenes missing here, probably, if I had mm-hmm. to guess. Um, and what we are left with is like the most like sci-fi pop version of this movie that's mm-hmm. supposed to be, you know, like, uh, these are not why you hate this movie, right, Adam? These two plot holes. Uh, no, it's like these things that stack up, right? Like, okay, to be fair... <laughs> Is, is the in the first fifteen minutes or so? You know, we're getting some of the lore in the Egyptian cave or whatever, and uh, mm-hmm. I was into it, and I wanted to like this movie because the the title sequence is cool as heck. You know, it has mm-hmm. the music and everything, and we're zooming past asteroids, and then um, and then the ship comes down, and that just looks fantastic. And I'm like, all right, I want to be a part of this movie. Please let me like this movie, but. It kind of just sort of kept tripping over itself over and over. I, I kept ha- kind of like having to excuse it, you know. 
Okay, but I do have like a major excuse for the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's that the original screenplay was like 1500 pages long and was supposed to be a trilogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they couldn't get a deal for a trilogy so they had to cut it down to one movie oh yeah i'm not i'm not telling tales out of school here which is a phrase i say on the show every single episode uh that it definitely was a bigger story here and you can tell and then that's why we got sort of a mess um structurally mm-hmm. you know script wise but I'm, I'm not, not mad at it though like no, no, I'm, I'm along for the whole ride i didn't i didn't i think if i watched it a third or fourth time i probably would notice the the plot holes but like i'm so enamored yeah i'm like <laughs> which is I awesome i want them to fall in love with each other <laughs> i want them to save the planet like yeah i yeah well let's yep. talk about the romance because uh the uh so he's basically just yeah there's a lot of problematic things around lilu but he bruce willis is just in love with a child right because throughout the movie, he's just kind of like, he, he dries her off, and they can't speak, and he's like, no, you did really good, honey. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I knew you were going to bring this up, but, and it is creepy. <laughs> okay, but not as creepy as Leon the Professional. Right. No, oh, Luke, Luke Basson is problematic, and we can kind of, what we do on this show is we'll call people who are lightly problematic, like Brian De Palma, who actually has never been accused of anything really bad. We call them, like, problematic kings. Uh, Luke Basson okay. is not a problematic king. He's just problematic. Yeah. So uh, well, we can just leave out what he's done and people can Google it or whatever. But um, I love Leon the Professional, a.k.a. La Professional. And I love the fifth element. And then I hate everything basically after that that he's done. Mm-hmm. You don't like um, Taken 3? Uh, well, he produced the Taken movies. He kind of just basically went to the producer's chair and probably is an extremely rich man who just lives in France now. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll skip that whole okay. narrative, I think. But uh, Adam, I, I know you didn't hate this movie just because of the the narrative. Because we've been watching movies on the space opera thing, and we certainly will watch movies after this, like Jupiter Ascending and stuff, that are these big, <laughs> massive um, space operas that are super ambitious, and all of them are messy. They're all yes. absolute mm-hmm. messes mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of story and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, let's get into why you like, – did you like the aesthetic of the movie? I'm trying to find out what you liked from this movie so we can geek on it. Uh, I will say that I forgot to mention – mention when i think of this movie that gary oldman was like the thing i thought about and then watching it this time i was like wait he's like barely in the movie mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's what i thought too very weird it's just the look <laughs> he's second build he's like second build and so clearly that's a, i think that's a good indicator that there was a lot of stuff cut out of this movie that probably had to do with his character and then adam's right it just something was missing even with all the footage and then the studio was like we need to cut all of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i think you know the, if you want to get to the reason that I, I don't like this movie is because of luke besson he's sort of a pioneer of cinema de look you know the idea that you can make these movies that are all style and no substance which are fine you know if you're into that thing that's cool um but i i'm not into it and this movie's very hollow you know it has like this nice coated candy shell it's really nice and enjoyable, but if you try to take a bite out of it, it's all going to crumble. And Yes, you know? I, I, I know that you don't like movies with very little substance, but uh, I have not referenced this. I thought but I... there was a lot of substance. Go ahead. Yeah, but, but I read a review of Kill Bill Volume 1 one time that said, like, boy, this is style over substance, but hell of a style you know like and that's what that's what this is and it's like uh, uh so what, what did you enjoy the style of the movie adam if you just like were, were to basically turn your brain off uh yeah 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 i did like i said i did love the aesthetic and the, the visually everything looks fantastic i think 
Okay, cool. I was just curious. Mm-hmm. And the Jean-Paul Gaultier costumes, they do anything mm-hmm. for you? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, that maybe this is representative of the entire film. That blue alien lady going up and singing <sighs> opera and then starting to beatbox and everything. Mm-hmm. It is almost cool but also i feel like they wanted to make it so like this is like a really legendary space event oh yeah but like that's Uh, like barely an opener uh, she kind of like sang opera for a little bit and she twirled her hands and then i wasn't impressed when she started beatboxing and the beat dropped and we were cross-cutting between corbin dallas with his ripped up shirt and that blonde hair with that cool ass gun shooting i'm like this is cinema <laughs> no 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 no. wait you're mixing it up because it it's cro- during lilu's fight in the yeah. in the dressing room yeah mm-hmm. but i thought Lilu. they were on like like a mental like Connection. wavelength yeah, yeah because they were kind of doing similar actions and i thought it was like Lilu communicating to her what was happening in the dressing room yeah, because like, then you see Lilu react reacting to her getting the diva being shot. Mm-hmm. Even well, though you she see the diva see on stage like reacting to like Lilu getting injured too. Mm. R- right, and I think Adam's Adam's problem with that is going to be that was not established in any way. Although it probably no. has to do with her having the elements. No, I don't right. mind that. I kind of like that. My problem is like. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I, I I would be disappointed if I paid a lot of money to go see like this legendary alien sing and it was just that. <laughs> <laughs> by I the mean, way, that probably would have been more if she wasn't murdered. That's true. Yeah, yeah. By the way, let me take that from the top. By the way, uh, when the blue alien was singing opera and then it was cross cutting between Lilo kicking ass, like uh, that's even better than what I said. You don't get to fix yourself. I'm not editing that back in. <laughs> no, it's okay. I just want to say that what I said was awesome, and then what you guys corrected me to was like, "Oh no, that's even cooler than what I said." So I stick by what I said. Uh-huh. Well, let's also keep in mind that uh, you know, I think outside of this, we think that this is an action movie. That scene with uh, Lilu is pretty much the first action scene besides the car chase. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's really not. It's really not like a, a, a massive action movie, which is kind of what Luke Besson is known for is action stuff. I, I think it's interesting that my favorite two films of his, and I'm sure everyone's favorite two, but they don't really have that much action. Like mm-hmm. The Professional's not really that big of an action movie. There's like explosions and guns mm-hmm. and stuff, but I would not call it an action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I also watched that with Haley for her first time. What maybe a year ago? Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Yeah. The, that's Natalie the only Portman. movie I've ever watched yeah. where I watched it and I was probably like 20, which means I'd only been into movies like for like two years. I got into movies when I was like 18 <laughs> and I watched it and it's the only movie I've ever been upset that I like people didn't tell me about. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And then I, I called all my friends after I watched it and I, t- I told them to come over that same night and I watched it again with them. <laughs> that mm-hmm. that movie's really big in uh, Japan. When I went to Japan for the first time, I picked up this phrase, which is, Ichiban skina eigawa nandeska, which is what is your favorite movie? And I would ask random people, and I got Leon the Professional as an answer a lot. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah that is interesting. What a good question to ask people too. That's mm-hmm. smart of you to oh, ask. Thank you. Well, I wanted to know. It was that and uh, Phantom of the Opera, and there was some Harry Potters in there also. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's why that you're the smart one on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I think also to be fair to them, I think they saw that I was an American guy, and they were like, "Well, let's let me think of a movie that American he might understand." Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What happened to the guy that got smushed in the door? His hand just 
That's he a good just, question. Had his hand smushed in the door and he died there? That's what yeah. I wanted to know, too, because then when they came back, there should have been... A smushed guy in the door? Or, like, Ooh. his shell? Yeah, or this is all cracked something. open now. Oh, yeah, that's... that's You know, but that this was thousands and thousands of years later, wasn't it? No, it was 300. 300 years later. Okay, fine, 300 years later, somebody cleared that dude out of there. Who cleared the him out? Was the, closed. the janitor? Yeah. No one had the key. I loved the fact the that he just, like, couldn't waddle out on time. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. like the whole movie basically came down to him not being able to get out. And then the, the, the no, priest was there. No, we needed the emotional line of time is not important. Life is important. Right. <laughs> yeah, Thank exactly. God we got that. I don't know if they, if, it's that it had to come from the god species in this universe. Mm-hmm. Because... It, you know, yeah, it makes sense that it's something that a priest would then say. It's like, oh, he's saying it because he literally got it from his god figure. Yeah. Uh, you know how Ruby Rod would, like, uh, say, like, a million words per second and then, like, uh, would turn the mic to Corbin Dallas and then Corbin Dallas would just be like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Thrilled. That, that's <laughs> that's me uh, on this podcast and then Adam is a Corbin Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> I take that as a compliment. Thank you. Yeah, you're 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 very succinct. You're very good. Wait, but let's uh, talk about that. Just line. as sexy as Bruce Willis. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk. About... I think we all want to be mid '90s Bruce Willis, though. At least I do. Yeah, bleach hair is a good look. I want to be 2020s Bruce Willis. Just show up for two days on a movie, get paid a million dollars per oh, day, and yeah. not try at all. Oh yeah. Um, let's talk about the line, which I think they wanted sort of to be the theme that time is important, not important, life is important, mm-hmm. said by a guy who uh, dies right away, mm-hmm. who kills him, who basically like sacrifices his life. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that line was not really the best placement there at that moment. <laughs> did it because he was like fulfilling his uh life mission and he like lived for what he was meant to live for mm-hmm. okay and then he got to stand there with his hand crunched in the door and wait to die right because life is important yeah. uh before we move on to ratings uh Haley, katie do we have any favorite scenes we haven't touched on yet i love the car chase at the beginning mm-hmm. well okay that whole him meeting lilu is so I didn't find it... So, okay, earlier you said that it was weird because she's, like, basically a child. But I didn't take it that way at all. I always thought he saw her as uh, someone who didn't speak English. Yeah. And that he had to work on communicating with. Okay, him kissing her while she's asleep is predatory. Mm -hmm. But he also is, like, deprived of human interaction and is, like asking his car (laughs) questions that he wants to ask a human like how did you sleep i had a terrible nightmare like he wants connection with someone so he too has problems communicating Mm -hmm. and they together figure out how to communicate um but i i totally i totally diverted from the car chase (laughs) where they okay 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 now i know why i wanted to talk about this when i watched this movie for the first time i had mcdonald's (laughs) Totally coincidentally, had no idea that it was going to be there, and then sent me a photo of her drinking her McDonald's cup in front of the scene 
with the girl <laughs> with the wig and handing out the food out of the McDonald's. Two golden menus. Thank you. I'm too old, too tired, and too hungry to go chasing some hot rod. Thank you so much. And I'm definitely too thirsty. Yeah, the model, the model working at McDonald's, yeah. handing the food yes. out to also, the cops. Also, a great, uh, a great payoff too when those cops crash into a McDonald's mm. truck. Yes, beautiful. So the good, and I love him thinking like every every time he gets away, he's like, "Oh, we that should have shook him." And then he pulls around the building, and it's a line of cop cars shooting at them. shooting at them, and they just <laughs> tilt the taxi to <laughs> avoid getting the slowest drive by. Yeah, great product placement, Adam. Did that scene remind you of any other scenes we've watched recently? Ooh, no. The taxi scene in uh, Attack of the Clones. Oh. Or, uh, the, yeah, it was literally looked the exact same. <laughs> I don't know. I actually thought this held up a lot better. I think the visuals oh. overall. Thank oh, there's you. no question it held up better. We, we talk about CGI on this podcast a lot for some reason. I will say that uh, the, re the version that Adam and I watched on Amazon Prime had not been restored. You could tell. Like, mm. it still had that film look to it. But... Because of that, the special effects looked so, so good, mm -hmm. I thought, for like a... This was not a massive budget movie. This was still mm -hmm. like a weird European director coming into America, making this mm -hmm. movie. Like, Leon the Professional's not a big budget movie, and mm -hmm. so this wouldn't be either. Um, and I liked that it wasn't restored, because sometimes with restorations, all of a sudden the CGI looks really shitty, and I thought it looked really good. Yeah. Um, speaking of the scene before the car chase, it's when uh, Lilu falls through the roof, and I, I think that's the most emotional stuff in the movie. Like, Bruce Willis, yes. like, I can't, I can't, and her, and her looking down and seeing the uh, thing that says, like, uh, oh. what is it? Please, please help. help. Yes, please, please help. I, I, I said off mic that that part made me cry, and I was like, why am I crying right now? And it's because I've seen the movie a million times. Uh, when I was younger, and it was very that moment was very nostalgic to me, but it was also me realizing how good Mila Jovovich is in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, uh, and then I stopped crying when I saw McDonald's and I got hungry. Me <laughs> <laughs> um, every did day. Its job. Did a, if you if you all will allow me to nitpick for a second here with an anecdote. Hold, before you nitpick, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Uh, do you think that everybody who doesn't know how to speak English is a child? <laughs> okay so when i say when i say child I, I i in my mind i think about the scene where uh she gets out of the shower there and she's all wet and he's like babying her as he's patting her down like oh i'm so sorry baby that kind of thing okay but maybe she doesn't have uh, i don't think those are the words i don't think he says i'm so sorry baby i it think was he something says worse than the that. shower has That's auto wash yeah but then he's cleaning her off all right, if you guys want to defend him kissing her without her consent, go ahead. No, uh, she, I don't know what the language that she speaks is, but she says never without my permission. Yeah, so right, afterwards. Uh, they reestablish the boundary. Um, I think... Adam Adam has a point, though, because when he pushes Ian Holm in the pull-out bed and then he pulls it back out, he's been saran-wrapped. He doesn't uh, say, I'm sorry, baby, to Ian Holm. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't cradle him. Well, it's interesting. Okay, but he's also not uh, smitten with Ian Holm. I treat my partner different than I treat Haley. I would hope. 
Because <laughs> right. I'm not your I'm not your girlfriend, so yeah. I would I would hope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like somebody that you're trying to court. Well, not you just he's in love with her from the second he fought, he meets her. Yeah. He says to his buddy, "Who do we we never meet?" Finger. Finger. No, no. Um, but he reveals to his friend that. This is the love of his life. He knew the second he saw her. He got a big fair. And then he also tells the his commander, I'm married. And the guy's like, what? You got married? And he's like, no, well, no, but I'm going to marry her. I swear. I'm in <laughs> love with her. We have to do a play-by-play of what he says to her when he's wiping her down after the shower. Auto-wash. <laughs> auto-wash, yes. Auto-wash in the shower. You know what's funny Met you twice today. Both times ended up in my arms. It's my lucky day. But um, I think it's wait, just simply. Wait, I didn't get to what... say my favorite scene. Yeah, go ahead. It's any scene with the cat in it. Oh <gasps> yeah. Me? Any scene with that cat in it is my favorite. Absolutely. Scene. She's so cute. She is sweet. I loved that. Also, I love that. That's part of his his character is that he loves this cat. You know that hangs yeah. around. Yeah. Absolutely great. Okay, that's all. That's all. I just wanted to talk about the cat for a second. Well, valid point. Now let me nitpick going back to one of the other scenes. Um, talking about Trevor's favorite scene where he cried like a baby or whatever he said. I there's an anecdote. I remember traveling across. I forgot what country it might have been in the middle of China, right? And I was jumping rooftop to rooftop. And My God, all this guy talks about is bragging about how he's been <laughs> to Asia a bunch of times. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, I've never I've never speaking. Uh, I've never taken any Chinese lessons or anything, um, but I was jumping rooftop to rooftop. I forgot what my objective was. I fell. I landed through the ro- roof of a car coincidentally. And um, I remember all the writing in there was Chinese. Obviously, it was probably Mandarin. And I remember being able to phonetically read those letters out loud. <laughs> and it said, please help. Yeah. It wasn't that a coincidence. Perfect. Uh, yeah, that's I did. Incredible. I did think that exact thing. I thought that exact thing when she saw the thing. I was like, oh, so she just can read English immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you got it. There's a little bit of a plot but, hole there. But what about the, the, here's another question too. Why, why are they well, forcing her? Well, I'm not her ready in? to just skim over you casually talking about jumping on rooftops. <laughs> and just casually falling through the roof of a car. That was a different, you know, I was a different man back then. Yeah, let's not get into it. <laughs> Um, I think uh, also why why are they having her like go through um, 300 years of stuff? Why not just like teach her how to speak English and then keep moving? Because she needs to know because she has to save the world. And in order to save the world, she has to like feel love for it. Okay. And so like you can't be passionate and like love something that you know basically nothing about. Okay. That's fair. And Adam, the fifth element is love. I, I I didn't get that. Lawyered. I don't right, understand. Let's, uh, are, we, are, are we ready to move on to ratings? I we, do love that scene. About the movie. I do love that scene of Ian Holmes like, tell her you love her. Come on. Like that's that's what's <laughs> gonna that's what it's gonna be. You know, it's not that they feel love, but if he can vocalize it in this one second and then kiss her, we're gonna be okay. Yeah, he has to tell her. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Well, let's move on to our rating system because t- typically when we rate the movies, we continue to talk about it. So. Um, Katie and Haley, I don't know if you know this, but we have a bulletproof system on this uh, podcast. We go genre by genre, and we picked uh, five categories that we think define that genre, or we hope will define that genre. Then we go through it, and we, we rate it on a scale from one to ten. 
Uh, Y'all will always go first on this, but uh, we need an aggregate score from you, so you need to agree on a number. Uh, And then, of course, Adam will go, and then I will go. Or I go second, usually, and then Adam goes third uh, with his lower score than the the first two scores. Um, So, uh, Katie and Haley, how would you say, how epic is the fifth element in terms of scope? I mean, it's literally the stakes are the world is ending. True. So, I mean... I want to say a 10 out of 10. Same. 10. Because it's like, what else, like, what else, like, they're all fighting for it, too. You know? Multiple heroes are trying to stop this event from occurring, so pretty epic. 10 skis. Yeah, we're jumping around from a lot of planets to a lot of planets. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. a lot going on here. Uh, It's, uh, that's a good point. I never thought about bringing stakes into the scope of the movie, but it's it's a good point. Adam, I'll let you go (laughs) second on this one, because I want to hear your... Uh, what I'm going to guess is opposite viewpoint before I... Uh, <laughs> I, w- I want to hear both viewpoints before I give a number. So they're yeah. giving it a 10. What do you give I actually it? think they make a pretty compelling argument here. Um, Heck yeah. It, it is. But is it the fate of the universe or is it just Earth? Because that thing is like barreling at Earth. I mean, I would think that this thing is... It's pretty big and it was growing in diameter. So I think that the path of destruction is not going to end at Earth. You know what it's I mean? It's that it will absorb all of Earth's energy and, and grow and de- like lack and de- their void of love and yeah, become like a ever growing black yeah. hole of, fire. of destruction. Yeah, that's just eating up everything in its path. So like mm. the stakes at first are just Earth, but then after it takes Earth, it's going to grow and then it becomes the stake of the, the rest of the universe. All living things. Yes. Okay, I'll take it. Um, but Trevor, <laughs> where you're wrong is uh, we don't see a lot of planets. I think we see three planets total. We see Earth. Okay, but that's more than I've been on. So I would say that's a lot. Fair. Right, but you got to speak for yourself here, and personally. Well, with Adam's with Adam's with Adam's history of travel, he's probably been to way yeah. more than three planets. Um, yeah, not just to Asia, folks. He's been out of this uh, orbit. But I think you know, in terms of scope, that that is what I like to see in a scope is that sort of extent. But there is a lot of cool universe stuff. I'll give it a seven. Um, good score. Uh, I'm gonna also. I'm gonna be with Adam on this one. I'm gonna give it a seven. We've been rating the other space opera movies on like basically planet hopping and stuff like this. And I, Adam, I want you to keep the same energy when we get to Jupiter ascending. Just FYI, yeah. uh, I have because it'll get a I, ten out of ten. I haven't seen Jupiter ascending, but I feel like they go to a bunch of different planets. Also, speaking of planets, uh, Adam, have you seen Luc Besson's film Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets? No, I haven't. If you didn't like The Fifth Element, you are going to hate that movie. I figured that much, yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of Luc Besson, actually. I, I went back all the way to Nikita. Um, I think he's just consistent in what he does. I'll put it that way. Yeah, La Femme Nikita and The Professional and The Fifth Element's a great start, I feel like. But he might have yeah. had more movies in between them. But it really did go downhill after that. Okay, second category. Uh, Haley and Katie, how colorful is this movie? I mean, one of the main characters literally has neon orange hair. <laughs> uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier did the costumes, and he is... And that is colorful in just the dictionary definition of, like, big... Loud. Loud colors, loud patterns, huge, like, headdresses with 
gowns with roses on them. I just, I would give it a... Well, and you know, for being, like, semi-dystopian, it's pretty colorful. Yeah. I mean, like, there's, like, the underbelly where it's, like, Mm -hmm. all foggy and smoky and stuff, but... Okay, I'll take off three points for the fog and the fact that, like, there's a lot of cream and beige that's used. So you're going seven? Yeah. I'm gonna go... I'm gonna go eight. So can we do a seven and a half? Trevor's (laughs) lagging, but he said yes. Okay. (laughs) I thought that was unheard of. No, no half scores here. Oh, sorry. I I mute my mic a lot during this. I I accidentally muted it when it should have been unmuted because people don't like hearing me click, 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 adding in the scores. But uh, yeah, seven and a half, I'll accept it. Adam? I'm actually, I'm going to give it a, a nine. Whoa. Yeah, I think this movie is very colorful, except maybe no green, now that I think about it. You know, it didn't seem like they had any, uh, like, nature. No. Right. But uh, I think otherwise... But we only see New York. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which, like, of course, a metropolis... And Dallas. years in... <laughs> oh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we like. That's what we like on this show. <laughs> Of course, a city that's 300 years in the future will be so built on top of itself that there's not going to be any natural stuff left. That would have been cool to see what Central Park looked like. Since it takes place in New York, they should have shown what Central Park looked like. They were saving that for the trilogy, for sure. Mm. Yeah. A floating park? Ooh, could you imagine? Well, that's kind of what Float on Paradise... uh, What is it? Flat on... Flapston? Flapston. Flapston Paradise. Flapston, yeah. It's basically just a, a yacht in space. A cruise ship on space. Um, we've got orange hair. We've got blue opera singers. We've got mm-hmm. um, ruby, ruby rod. I'm giving it an eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, third category, how unprepared slash reluctant is the hero? That would be Corbin Dallas. Okay, well, but okay. you okay? So that's an oxymoron in this movie. So, what, when we were originally prepped for this question, it was how reluctant is the hero. But now you're changing the verbiage and saying how prepared, unprepared. Ver- and because how unprepared and how reluctant is he? Because to, to argue this point, he is very well prepared. Mm-hmm. But he is also very reluctant. Right. Mm. See, all of the substance that I think it has is like uh, commentary on like the working class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, he's so reluctant because he's retired. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's like the, the most reluctant. Like, really, you're going to make him come out of retirement for this? <laughs> but he has a a resume that's six feet long literally of weapons and flight experience to call from so i don't know how i don't know i don't know how to i don't know how to rank this one because it's it's let me pose this to you was he unprepared for love yes 
No. Yes. No, I think he was prepared for love and literally the right person at the right time fell into his taxi He cab. was not prepared for love because he didn't even love himself. <laughs> no, he was like comfortable. He was like, I have Being a Being comfortable and loving yourself is not the same thing. Well, no, he needed a purpose. He just didn't have any, like... He was just driving his taxi cab, and then she came along. So and it needing was like, a purpose is equal to being prepared for uh-oh. love. Uh oh. It could be. Maybe someone isn't capable of loving themselves without finding their purpose first. Let's get back to Fifth Element here. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is our entire life, and this I want you to know comment. that this is what happened. Okay. For the listener, these two are in the same room right now, just staring at each other, yelling. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Making very intense eye contact. You're not on Zoom right now, but you somehow knew exactly what we were doing. Um, I'm still, you know what? I'm going to say that he was unprepared for love and he was reluctant to be the hero. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Haley is making an upset face. No, I'm okay with that because it's like... I almost want to rank it even higher because it's so both. Yeah. You know? Well, if you do a 10 no, and I, I do an 8. Nine. Do you want to do a 9? Yeah, let's do a 9. Yeah. Doing a 9. All All right. The aggregate score is going to be a 9. Adam, what do you think? Uh, I'll give it a 6. <laughs> he's uh, he's extremely reluctant. Uh, he is he's very prepared, though, to be fair. Um, I'm going to ignore the whole love question that I posed. Trevor? right up top uh, y'all said that he's very prepared uh but very reluctant so i'm gonna go more towards the middle but, uh, but i'm gonna get a little higher than that i'm gonna give it a seven the, the trope is definitely there uh mm-hmm. but he is once he gets into it he seems extremely prepared to save the world um <laughs> okay next category <laughs> how optimistic is the fifth element I mean, it's literally about love. So. <laughs> well, it's both. It's the it's the spectrum. It's that like you save the world, you find love, you find a purpose. But also, like, how pessimistic is that world if it's facing impending like doom? I mean, I would say that they're optimistic in thinking that they can beat the end of the world. I mean, that's true. That no, At no point do they they Give look up. at each other yeah, and say, well, that's it. That's... 10 out of 10. Optimism. But, okay. <laughs> is it like an, like, do we rate it, like, is it an optimistic look at the future? I'm rating this optimistically 10 out of 10. Oh, boy. Because it's not very optimistic look at the future. Yeah, I no, agree completely. The plot of the film is optimistic. I want to give it a nine. So we're going to nine and a half? Okay, nine and, and a half. half. Yep. Uh, Adam, what do you think? I, I agree. I feel like, uh, man, you, look at how the future treats their vets. Am I right? Yeah. He has trouble just landing a taxi job. Uh, and, yeah, and he has points on his license, so he gets fired. Like, he doesn't even... Now he's unemployed. Yeah, he didn't have anything in his And he's forced back into the, into the service. Yeah. We've been it's through this with cat. You Were Never Really Here uh, about the vet stuff, but good call, Adam. Thank you for bringing that yeah, up. Yeah, and how... And there was a layer of fog clouding most of New York. They had to build so high that you could see uh-huh. over it. Man, uh-huh. that's not optimistic to me, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but then love wins anyway, so who cares? I'll give it a seven. <laughs> seven. Okay, so y'all are talking about how not optimistic this view, Luc Besson's view of the future is, but like, how long after currently uh, the year we're living in now does this movie take place? Like 200 years? Yeah. Like, sure. Um, if Earth was doing anywhere near this well in 200 years, I would be. I, yeah. I would unbelievably be shocked. shocked. Like, it, I think Luc Besson is looking extremely optimistic here. The movie literally comes down to love saves the world. <laughs> I'm giving it a 10. Wow. wow. Trevor. I'm glad I won you over on that one. Trevor, you won me over. Can you bump me up to a nine? Yeah. You're absolutely right. We're going to wow. be dead in 200 years. Yeah, it's done. Uh, okay. I mean, we're definitely going to be, but like us four are definitely going to be dead. Again, speak for yourself. <laughs> no, unless they figure out the Futurama floating head thing. That seems yeah, plausible. Right. Um, Luke Besson, 10 out of 10 on optimism. Uh, this podcast, uh, not very optimistic about the future of the world. <laughs> um, okay, so last category is how cool is the tech in this movie? Okay, so... So I... this is where I disagree that it's not... That, like, it'd be impossible that in 200 years it looks like this. Like, there are so many elements that were already... Uh, part of modern day technology. Five elements. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was see, really okay. good, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, see, I really like specifically, I'm going to bring up one tech element that I was like obsessed with since like the first time that I watched this film and that's like the 3D printer human yeah. thing mm -hmm. that's incredible I was like you can take literally any cell of an organism and be like rebuild it okay. yes I'm in I buy it but like in the 90s 3D printers didn't exist I know that's why it's so that's cool. what I'm talking about is it's like but like the floating cars Teslas are like I don't know three software updates away from being able to fly themselves <laughs> I mean, okay, so rating the tech. I'm going to give out of it 10. a it's 10 out cool. of 10. Yeah. <laughs> I want a 3D printer that can print me a human. Right. All of the tech is cool. And it was believable to me. Same. Okay. I can buy into it. So 10 out of 10 on that? Yeah. Okay, Ooh. except they did say that they used a phone book at one point, And I was like, ooh, the 90s are showing. Maybe they just, like, uh, retained that... that uh, like wordage yeah oh it's a it. phone book but it's actually a chip installed in your head yeah, yeah. maybe okay <laughs> that was also going to be explained in the trilogy yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> um so are you all sticking with a 10 then 10 yes all right and uh i will also give it a 10 i think the uh tech yeah. is so strong here you know from <laughs> from all the spaceships to the weapons that you can uh turn around and shoot and still hit your shot from behind but i think uh -huh. i think the key my favorite my favorite piece of tech that would make me want to go live in this universe is uh that um uh, you know it didn't age that well but the uh restaurateur that goes to visit bruce willis and eats noodles <gasps> with him window. yeah yes. i think yeah. that's a really sweet idea and the fact that you can have that you know at some point 
That, that's a my partner literally so said food trucks. A food truck. <laughs> my that partner goes literally said, "I want a Chinese food place to pull up to my window." Yeah, that's about two hundred years away, I think. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, in terms of how cool is the tech, um, thinking about the, everything you guys have said, and then like realizing that this is the movie that was made for this category, it's an obvious ten. I mean, like all of the tech. <laughs> Like the whole, that's what this movie is, right? Is like costume design, mm-hmm. like hot people and awesome tech. Like mm-hmm. so it's it's just the easiest ten. There's a that's a rare ten 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 category from us. Congratulations, everyone. Yes. Well thanks. <laughs> um uh, that was our last category, but there's a bonus category. How Ooh. evil how evil is the villain? Okay, so are we gonna say how that the villain is Zorg? Or are we going to say that the villain is... The shadow. The shadow thing. Mr. Shadow. The, the fire Because he does talk guy. to someone on the phone. Yeah. Th- this is interesting, and I wanted to drop the gavel and say it is Zorg, but let's talk this out. Adam, what do you think? I would think it's the evil, because, I mean, we lose Zorg, and there's still a problem. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. That's then, valid. Then the villain is the thing. Yeah, let's do that then. Mr. Shadow. Because mm-hmm. that's who he talks to on the phone. Yeah. I don't and know. He does have a very creepy voice. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah, Me too. And I <laughs> like that he's the villain too because I don't think Gary Old. Uh, what's his? What's Gary the character? Zorg. Zorg. Zorg's character. I don't think is that evil. He's just power hungry. He's the power weirdo. hungry wants more money. He literally on the de- on the phone while he's brokering the deal with the evil. He's like, I have a. Uh, trip tripled my prices and the evil's like (laughs) money is of no importance to me like he he is the greater evil because the actual evil is that even in this future dystopia society even the most powerful military arms dealer is part of the scheme Mm -hmm. he's just trying to get out of the rat race make more money and i i think that how evil is the villain? The villain is literally called the evil. Uh, so, I'm I, and it's it's its goal is to destroy the universe. It wants to kill absorb, all living yeah, things. kill all living things. So I'm I'm gonna go ten out of ten. Yep. Yeah, I uh, agree and have nothing to add to that. It was perfect. Well. <laughs> So a 10, a 10, and I want to preface this by saying this has shifted my score majorly because if we were going with Zorg, I had already mm-hmm. written down two. Um, yeah, Zorg's not very evil. Yeah. No, he's not, and he's not really a big part of the movie for, for like, I think you're right. It was just Gary Oldman's look in this movie that I remembered. Then I yep. watched him. I'm like, he, he kind of sucks like, as a bad guy, and then... He's not the bad guy, though. You're right. No. I'm going 10. Right. I'm going 10. A, what a twisted I mean, he's, society. The, the villain is literally named the evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's the you brought up the good best. point that it continues after Gary Oldman is dispatched. Because, yeah, he was just part of the problem. He was part of the evil. But... He wasn't the evil. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's evil that exists in the world. And you either choose the evil or you choose to love... You choose the fifth album. Wow. You choose the fifth album. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Trevor, what are we looking at? Well, um, we have an extremely rare situation here. As you know, there are five categories that add up to fifty points. But because of the bonus, sometimes you can go over fifty mm-hmm. points. 
So I'll start with Adam. Adam, out of 50 points, you have awarded the fifth element 51 points. <laughs> yeah, that's reflective of uh, how I was talking about it. Yeah, you, you, you clearly, you, you clearly, <laughs> you thought it was above perfect. Awesome, yeah. Um, out of 50 points, I have awarded the fifth element 52 points. Wow, okay. <laughs> and Katie and Haley, an aggregate score out of 50, you've given the fifth element 57 points. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so space opera that there's literally an opera scene that occurs in space. Wow. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. This was this is this might be So that gives this movie uh an aggregate score of one hundred and sixty, which puts it in first place over Star Wars Attack of the Clones, which had hundred and twenty eight, and Flash Boom. Gordon, which had hundred and twenty one. Oh man. Wow. So it looks like we're heading towards an inevitable best, uh, what's it called? The the arrival of a train at a station, Silver Ghostie Award for Best Picture for the Fifth Element in our outro episode. Uh, but listeners will well, have to listen. Well, I don't want to jinx it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just think Knock that on wood. it's, uh, yeah, it's totally definitive of the genre. It's yeah. like, this is the kind of movie that if someone asked me what is a space opera i would say watch the fifth watch element. the fifth element and when you guys went over the i think you mentioned when you were going through your rankings like yeah how epic is fifth element like you even mentioned in going through the categories that it's like it is this kind of standard yeah for a lot of the space opera tropes Absolutely. I think also visually, you know, the language here, even though it is a little bit ridiculous a lot of the times, is that that goofiness is sort of necessary in a good space mm -hmm. opera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have a great time watching it. Like we were talking earlier that I, even though the evil was impending the whole time, I didn't feel like a heaviness. Yeah, mm -hmm. I wasn't afraid for their their lives i kind of knew everything was going to work out mm -hmm. because everybody was so likable and everybody kind of was all serving the common good so it was just yeah it's so i um, might have to change my favorite scene though because i was i was just like reminiscing and i was thinking about the scene where they're trying to get the stones to activate oh boy <laughs> and i think that might be my favorite scene <laughs> Oh, it's great. It's the best. I feel bad for Chris Tucker there. He couldn't help out. <laughs> um, he, stopped, so, he quit smoking. <laughs> so 160 points uh, might end up being at the end of this podcast, which I'm sure will end very, very soon. Uh, we'll probably quit after the next series, mm -hmm. if I had to guess. That'll be the highest score probably ever for a movie on this podcast. <laughs> so we really have uh, witness history. And I'm not, I'm not terribly surprised. Like, you're right. When I think of space opera, what I truly thought of first was The Fifth Element. Um, and I, I don't know what – it's a PG-13 movie that's, like, extremely violent as well, mm -hmm. like, which mm -hmm. is a rare subgenre of movies. Like, I was watching. I was like, my God. Like, the, there's the part where I think Gary Oldman steps off of the uh, – I think he steps off of his ship or whatever, and there's people who run up, and he kills, like, seven people. Just, like, no yes. problem. And I'm just like – and then inside, there's just people being killed, 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 killed. I'm like, oh, my yeah. God, this movie is so violent. You could easily see a much uh, H-wordier version of this movie, much more violent rated R version of this film. But mm -hmm. like you mentioned – 
It's PG-13. The stakes are extremely high, but you never you never think for a second that they're not going to stop that evil from hitting her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, it's not a heavy film in any way. It's a lot of fun. Just like our guests today, uh, Haley and Katie, Aww. thank you so much for coming on the show. This was really, really fun. Adam, uh, do you have any compliments you want to give our guests? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, too, for being so smart and wonderful and great at talking and everything. Wow. Wow. You're making us blush. We're really red right now. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Y- y'all are the best. Uh, check out Time Warp Radio. Is there anything else that you want to plug? Well, now that you mention it. We're rounding out season one, which is so just fulfilling and lovely, and we're happy to continue analyzing some Richard O'Brien, Jim Sharman, Brian Thompson work. Coming 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 very soon, soon. season two. And also, there's this uh, little project that uh, Trevor and ourselves have been doing the past couple months. We have been hosting... The drive-ins at the Frida Cinema for Rocky Horror Picture Show. And thank you for that. <laughs> I would tell you the next date for it, but I don't remember off the top of my head. So I don't Trevor, know when this episode is coming me. out, but we it's like monthly. We are part of the Shadowcast at the Frida Chaos. Yes. And while we're not performing in its full capacity, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, we're still doing as best as we can. And having as much fun as we can while still staying in our cars and staying masked. Mm. I, I, I really missed that show. It was a great time. I got to witness it, I think, in January of 2020 before it kind of went down. And it, I, I loved it. I wanted to go back right away. Well, you're going to have to. I am going to have yeah. to. Yeah. So this episode actually drops on Friday, so we can plug the Friday, March 12th screening of Rocky Horror Picture Show that y'all will be hosting. And then we can also plug uh, the second Friday of every month we're at the drive-in doing it. So it'll be Friday, April 9th. Uh, Those are going to be in Tustin. Uh, For those of you who don't live in Southern California, sorry. But if you do, definitely go to thefreedocinema.org, buy a ticket, come out. And these two do an awesome pre-show. And obviously the people have a ton of fun watching Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's a great time. Well, and if you don't live in Southern California, uh, we have our Instagram, Time Warp Radio, uh, where we are posting live video of our pre-shows. So if you want to watch that, you can head over to our Instagram. You can tag in along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before you end your plugs, I do want to say I did forget that we give away awards in our outro episode to each genre, and we give away an award per guests so you y'all get a award named after you so i mm-hmm. I'm, i know i'm screwing this up again but it's going to be called the Haley and katie award for what and keep in mind that it doesn't need to be something that the fifth element fits well into maybe it is something completely uh tailored to the fifth element but it can be an award for anything and we'll give it away i like the idea of, of i don't know if how you feel about it but having uh katie and Haley each have their own award Oh, wow. More awards, the better. I like it. Oh my gosh. Wow. Now the pressure's on. <laughs> I think I know what I want my award to be. Please. The Katie Tomini Award for the Pew Pewiest Laser Guns. Wow. Excellent. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> I like it. And uh, what will it'll be the Haley, is it Mervini Award? Yes. The Haley Mervini Award for, like, I want it to be like, is it believable? Like, is this a future that you could could see 
existing or is it like way too far-fetched like the most realistic future okay the most the Haley realistic award for most realistic future <laughs> if that doesn't isn't a metaphor for me somewhere <laughs> i don't know what it is. can That's we make it the got. longest titled award and that will be exactly perfect for haley's that's great. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, Adam, do you have any plugs you want to get to? Um, just follow me at Projector Fuel, where that's my version of Letterboxd. And um, check out my website, adamjcwagner.com, where I have all my stuff. I am on Letterboxd at Captain Dills, where I keep a list of all the movies that we talk about. And I actually rank them in terms of how they done per genre. My personal is at Trevor Dills on Instagram and Twitter. And always follow us at Ghost Party Picks on all other socials. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and smash that follow button on Spotify. Adam, I heard we're on Google Podcasts now. That's right. For all you Google heads out there, uh, go ahead and search this. And and don't forget to rate us five stars uh, wherever you can and then roast us in the review uh, like Nintendo Man 32 did at the beginning of this episode. What a coward. Absolute coward to hide behind that tag. That's fine. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry that we make you want to puke. Uh, that's a great way to end this very uh, optimistic and fun episode. Uh, Haley and Katie, thank you again for being on the show. Adam, thank you for being here and trying to poke holes in what turned out to be an absolute masterpiece of the space opera genre. Right. Oh, yeah. That was my folly. <laughs> thank you guys so much for having us. This is like the most fun. I loved watching the movie. I loved talking with the with you guys about it yes yeah it was really really fun and thank you thank you for picking this awesome movie uh thank you for listening to ghost party radio adam we have officially fifth the element bye bye Mm, that's a 10